You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them chemtrails in the sky. Grand Rising and good morning, everybody. Welcome to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday, And we've got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, I'm really excited because... Look, it's middle of the week and this week is going by really fast. I don't know about y'all, but it definitely is for me. Uh, Thank you guys for all the love you're pouring into the day with Trey. Of course, right now is a great time for you to tag and share this stream. Go ahead and tag and share the stream with people that you feel could benefit from a daily dose of dopeness here on the day with Trey. Uh, Also, if you can't watch the show, you can also listen to the show anywhere that you find your favorite podcast. Just look up Converge Media Network. You'll see all of our shows on all of the podcast platforms, Google, Spotify, iTunes, whichever one is your, your preferred method for podcasting. But just go ahead and search Converge Media Network and you will find the day with Trey there. Also, you know, I, I got to say that uh, this has been a phenomenal week. I, I keep talking about the love getting poured in, but it is something so special that I always want to share with you all. And I heard something very special today that my little cousin looks up to be just like me. Wow. That is really settling in with me. I love you so much, Dion Holiday and December Holiday, her mother. I uh, got to give them a shout out. And I, I just got to say that that right there is another reason why we do this work. And you guys know my message at the end of the show is all about how you see yourself as a part of the solution. So even if you are inspiring one young person, the next generation to be doing something that you are doing to continue in your legacy, trust and believe that is something that you get to carry along with you throughout the rest of your life. And I'm going to tell you right now, That's another way for you to see yourself as a part of the solution. Uh, Today, we have a great show for you guys. We got Elijah L. Lewis in the building with Ethereal Visions. He is the CEO, and he's going to be telling us all about some visions he has for some markets that are going to be happening in South Seattle. Um, Also, it is Wednesday, so you know we got to catch up with Brian Callanan from Seattle News Views and Brews, also from the Seattle Channel. He's going to be telling us a bit about what they're going to be talking about on tonight's episode. So with, with no further ado, I want to make sure I give Elijah his time. I want to welcome Elijah L. Lewis right here to the day with Trey. What up, Elijah? What's up, sis? How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing blessed. Blessed to be here. Um, you know, today is actually just uh, honoring, you know, all the ancestors before me, you know, looking at this great mural behind me and just the history of, you know, Seattle and Seattle's blackness. So, yeah, yeah. you know, there, there's always a day to bring that and uplift that, to bring that to bear and uplift it. And I agree with you. It's one of the reasons why I really appreciate being in their presence. You know, you can feel their essence, but, you know, you are really building your own legacy and you have now ethereal visions. Tell us a bit about what this business is so people can understand what you're doing. Absolutely. So a lot of people um, don't actually realize I've been into the entertainment game when I was really 16 years old. So I'm 22 now. And um, really how I got in is really being a apprentice underneath a manager and seeing her, you know, run her uh, record label and everything else. And 
through that, I actually um, was able to start my own. And so really Ethereal Visions uh, started actually this year. And I've been do- working with artists for multiple years. I've been manager position. I've been doing event producing. I've been doing stage management, all the things. And now is the time to really step out on my own and be able to have, you know, um, you know, community events and be able to really showcase my community where I'm from, which is, you know, South Seattle and being able to have the Othello Marketplace as a place where people can come, whether, you know, supporting all of our creatives right through, um, you know, being able to have vendors and performers come down and really showcase their greatness to our community. And so really Ethereal Visions is a artist development organization. And we're really about, you know, uplifting our community and being able to create safe places for our community to thrive in. Well, I think artists uh, communities are one of the backbones of Seattle. I mean, almost every time I'm talking to anybody who's involved in the art world, we hear about these subsets, these kind of families that artist communities create because they'll they'll know, oh, this person does that thing. Okay, th- you want to tap in with this person. And I love that so much. And you're talking about um, really performing arts, right? I mean, you're talking about people who are singing, rapping. Tell us about some of the people that you have as this kind of collective for Ethereal Vision. Yes, I got to shout out Zeta Prince. I got to shout out Jamika. I got to shout out, you know, my boy Latio and TXR. You know, those are some of the uh, great performers that we are going to have coming and performing. Um, you know, Rodriguez Green is a Southend gigs dancer, you know, in Seattle that I grew up with, like Rainer Beach alumni, just like myself, and really being able to grow up with these cats and seeing their greatness. You know, there's not a lot of platforms to them to really be able to be showcased, though. There's not a lot of opportunities to be able to uh, uplift their greatness and really showcase you know, the South end in a positive matter, you know what I mean? Because we have so much positive things. I know when I went to Rainier Beach, you know, the saying was everybody's a somebody. And that right there, no matter if you were the most quietest kid in the room or whether you were, you know, an entertainer or whatnot or somebody that was very boisterous, it's like everybody had something going on or, you know, maybe it was their little, you know, side business or their little side hustle or whatever. Everybody really was a somebody. I really love that phrase. Everybody is somebody. Exactly. I love that. And I will carry that with me. You know, I think oftentimes, too, when you are thinking about the artist community, they do need platforms because ultimately a lot of folks need to know that they can do it. And the the thing around, you know, folks being maybe shy or, you know, oh man, I got to get on this big stage. If they don't have people that they know and that they've already built relationships with that are opening those kinds of doors, sometimes it can be intimidating. Tell us a bit about your approach to building this community. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, uh, my approach is really just connecting with community, right? Um, so really, um, that's where the ideology behind the South End Connection really was, is me and my business partner um, coming together with strategic consulting and Ethereal Vision, really being South End natives ourselves and being able to really wanting to showcase the brilliance that is in the South End and creating those safe places for our artists, but really being able to tap in with, you know, our, our neighborhood communities. I've reached out to the Filipino uh, community center that is in our community. I've reached out to the arts and cultural, you know, uh, centers and reaching out to different organizers in the native communities and really asking for their blessing, right? We got to really pay homage to the original natives that have been here for thousands of years, right? And so really it's being able to create, I'm just creating the space, right? Being a South End native myself, um, being able to create that space to be able to bring in community and, and pay homage and also 
give that platform for others to be able to, you know, really represent and and be able to create an e-commerce, right, where they can collectively come together and build their own, you know what I mean, businesses and their own, you know, um, wealth within this process as well. And so that's really the ideology of having Sunday markets every single Sunday throughout the summer at Othello Park, you know, and the Othello Marketplace is really to be able to showcase all of this greatness and being able to have it um, not only at the Othello Marketplace, but the South End Connection really believes to have, you know, all types of South End events all around, whether it's Jefferson Park or Genesee or, you know, um, at Seward Park Amphitheater, you know what I mean? Those are kind of the places and the things that we're really looking out and looking to do. I, I, you know, I, I think that there's something so special about people having a vision, right? And then attacking it, going after it. And I know our very own uh, Curtis Cuddy Delgado, um, you know, saw something in his head and he was like, I just want to do this music festival like our own, you know, um, Sleepless in Seattle. I'm going to do it, you know, right there at the amphitheater and I'm going to, you know, Seward Park. And it was just like this whole thing that it was just like it starts with a vision. But if you leave it in your head, people don't get to experience it. Absolutely. So, I'm, you know, I want to tell you I'm proud of you for stepping out and, and realizing like, man, I got this vision. I'm going to find a way to make it happen. And one thing about you, Elijah is that you definitely are going to find a way to make things happen, right? I mean, and so, you know, uh, I appreciate you sharing how you're really talking about building genuine connections with folks, building genuine relationships and allowing those relationships to fuel this vision for ethereal visions, right? And so, uh, you know, when you think about bringing on new artists, do you have a specific approach that you use when you maybe hear some music and you go, man, who is this person? Maybe you don't already have that relationship. How are you thinking about expanding this idea? Because I know you you think long, long game. Um, so in the long game for ethereal visions, what are some of the things that you're really hoping to achieve or ways that you're looking to expand by bringing on new talent? Absolutely. Let's start out with ethereal, right? A lot of people are like ethereal, right? When they're looking at the wordage and stuff, I know ethereal for me um, really means just breaking it down, the lightness and darkness, right? Um, I think that throughout our, you know, there's been a lot of oppression for young artists that are coming up and trying to get into the game. There's a lot of gatekeepers. There's a lot of people that are not willing to give that opportunity to young artists that are really just trying to showcase their artwork and themselves and being able to be in community and really being able to, you know, be, you know, pay that um, respect as a as a professional, right? A lot of our professional artists that are out here have to sacrifice a lot, you know what I mean, in order to really, um, you know, be able to breathe life into their gifts, right? And being able to be showcased as professionals, right? And so really, um, Ethereal is like, I think of like the sixth dimension, right? It is outside of this world and really creating a place where people can be genuinely themselves and being able to uplift and empower our communities. I think that there's a lot of, um, negativity out there. There's a lot of people who are bringing it um, down and whatnot. And it's up to us to be able to showcase, you know, boom, we are, you know, from South Seattle. We are not all, you know, the narratives that people try to put on us. And we are actually out here and we are uplifting our community and we are actually making opportunities for others to be able to come on and build those platforms. And we're telling our stories. This is the truth. A lot of people don't understand the truth for, you know, being from South Seattle and living in, you know, uh, South Seattle and what that comes with. Right. And so we're showcasing, you know, our artistry and in a genuine fashion. Right. And so those are the kind of things when I look for an artist is looking for 
lyricists, you know, I love lyricists. People are really talking their stuff and being able to really articulate that. I love to hear, you know, people who are being genuinely them telling their stories being raw and um, really being able to really convey that in their artistry. That's really what I look for. And, um, you know, within our, you know, South End Markets is obviously making sure that we are prioritizing South End performers that are actually from the city and born and raised in the South End. Well, I, I just applaud you for this effort and I, I'm looking forward to this series of events. Make sure you look right there and let folks know how they can tap in with Ethereal Visions and tap in with these amazing events you'll be doing in, in South Seattle every Sunday. Absolutely. Like she said, every single Sunday, it's going to be at Othello Park, you know, right here in South in Seattle. Um, and really, for those who might not know, it's on Othello and MLK. You go down to 44th Street and you'll be able to find it. Um, and so really how you can tap in with us is at southendconnection.com and really just checking out what we do. If you want to be an artist, if you want to um, be a food vendors, we have a couple limited spots available, but it's only $35. We're making sure that it is affordable for our you know, vendors to come down and vend. And we're looking for all different types of community members to be able to come down, prioritizing, you know, uh, multicultural um, communities to be able to come down and showcase, you know, their culture in the Othello Park Marketplace. So we're also having a farmer's market, too. So we're looking for BIPOC farmers as well. So come down and support at Othello Marketplace this Sunday. The 26th is starting going all the way until the 28th of August. So check us out. Amazing. What time are these events? Yes, they are from 11 to 4 p.m. Um, and for setup is 9 a.m. for all of the vendors. You know, uh, sound check is 10 a.m. for our artists. Amazing. Great job, Elijah. I'm looking forward to the first one flourishing and I'm sure the rest will as well. You had a vision and you are making it happen with ethereal vision. It is going to be 84 degrees <laughs> out. So, go. you know, <laughs> you know, I definitely believe the higher power is always behind me. And so, yeah. Good, good for you. Well, proud of you, man. Looking forward to it. Thanks Thank for being you. with me today. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, amazing feat right there by Elijah L. Lewis and Ethereal Visions. Of course, you guys just heard it right there. Check them out on South southendconnections.com. Make sure you guys also, uh, you know, tap in, go to Othello Market and, and see this amazing vision come to life. Let's all be a part of it uh, for those of us who are looking to get out of our homes a little bit. Of course, up next, we got Brian Callanan from Seattle News, Views and Brews. He's going to be joining me after this short break. We're going to be hearing all about the next episode happening tonight for Seattle News, Views and Bruce. Stay tuned, you guys. You're watching The Day with Trey. What up, y'all? It's T-Dub. I'm here at Converge Media to let you know about my new venture, The Resole. We are introducing Seattle's first dry cleaner for sneakers, and we want you to be a part of it. Head over to www.theresole206.com this Juneteenth weekend for our official website launch. Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. I am so glad y'all are joining us. And that was a great message there by Elijah L. Lewis. Of course, we got to continue great messaging because my guy, Brian Callanan, is back in the building. What's up, Brian? Oh, it's good to be with you, Trey. I had to take a little trip. Sometimes you got to take a break away from things, but uh, it's good to be back and it's good to be with you once again. Yeah, well, we missed you and I'm glad you were able to take that break. You yeah. know, people are telling me, my, my auntie just said, man, when are you going to take a break? I said, you know what? <laughs> 
maybe after this summer because yeah. the summer gets so crazy. But listen to your auntie. She yeah. knows. She <laughs> yeah. knows. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I will. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a little bit about what's going on. I mean, clearly, you know, the last few clips you've sent in, yeah. you guys have kept it going. And yeah. I want you to know, I did order the Summer Bus oh, by good. Heather McGee. So I'm going to be diving into that because cool. you really uh, did a great job, yeah. you know, with that interview and, and incorporating some of the lessons from that book. So yeah. thank you so much for that. Yeah, I, I think it's valuable stuff. And if you didn't check it out, uh, Dr. Stefan Blanford, we did an interview with him a week or so ago. It's actually in the archives on the YouTube channel for Converge. Check it out. That whole uh, con- conversation about the sum of us and the actual uh, financial costs of racism are, are very important for a lot of people to reckon with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I can't wait to dive into it. And, you know, I want to say thank you for that interview as well, because yeah. again, the, the thing is, is that when we have in-depth interviews like that, so much comes out of it, yeah. you know, and, and I just appreciate you for being here. So yeah. what's going on tonight? I mean, I'm sure you guys got lots to talk about. All sorts of things. I'm diving back into a few things that the city council is doing. And one part specifically talking about Vision Zero. You might remember this. This is a plan that the city of Seattle came up with in 2015. And they said, all right, we are going to reduce, eliminate, actually, bring it down to zero, the amount of pedestrian and cyclists crashes that we have where people are killed, right? They want to reduce that fatality number to zero. They've been talking about it for a while, but unfortunately over the past several years, those numbers have actually been rising, especially during the pandemic. The city council met on this. The transportation committee met about this just yesterday. Council member Tammy Morales, who represents district two in the Southeast corner of Seattle, which represents a lot of communities of color. She has some issues with this. And she talked about the different slides she was checking out during that meeting. Let's listen to what she had to say. These slides just reinforce what we already know in the South End, which is that our streets are not safe for children or elders or people with vision impairments, Um, really just not safe for anyone who's not in a car. And this is something that I think the city has known about for a while, Trey, but I think it's really interesting because the city is trying to take a new focus on it. And this is going to be very important in the months ahead as we start talking about budgeting. Where's the city going to be putting some money? Because as it turns out, equity is always an issue, right? But it certainly is with transportation because more than half of these crashes that involve people uh, that are hit as pedestrians or cyclists are happening in the South End there in District 2. So I think it's going to be something the council member Morales is definitely looking at. I think it's something the whole council is looking at because there's an inordinate amount of black people who are involved in these crashes too. So they're trying to take a new focus on this. And I think they're going to be getting a lot of different public input on this because when you talk about Vision Zero, it is nowhere near zero right now. And it's actually climbing. And that's a big concern for a lot of folks. I mean, definitely it it is. I mean, you're talking about something where, I mean, again, data tells so much, Brian. And, you know, you wouldn't know it if the numbers didn't show it oftentimes. And the fact that there is now this understanding that that's how things are leaning we think about the comparison. We mm-hmm. talk about this all the time. Yeah. Equitable measures in terms of city development mm-hmm. has not been happening across all neighborhoods throughout no. Seattle. You look at something like, you know, Magnolia or some of these other areas, Laurelhurst. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, they're not dealing with these same kinds yeah. of issues. But we see this oftentimes in the comparison of predominantly white neighborhoods mm-hmm. versus multi-ethnic neighborhoods, yep. right? It's yeah. something that we just constantly see time and time again. Yeah. And what they're talking about is trying to figure out ways to actually redesign streets because a lot of people would say, all right, let's just enforce those speed limits a little bit more. 
that can actually turn into an issue where communities of color can really get targeted in those situations and actually get more tickets, et cetera. So they're trying to balance it here. There's definitely going to be some more enforcement on the streets or whatever else, but there's also going to be an attempt to ride, try to redesign some of these streets so that there can be protected bike lanes. There can be a better protected sidewalk in these areas. So I think that's something that the council is going to be working on, but it is going to be up to all of our communities to really hold their feet to the fire on this one and make sure those investments are coming through. Because as I say, Vision Zero is nowhere near where it needs to be. You know, also, too, I think sometimes people glance over these kind of issues, mm -hmm. right? They're like, uh, you know, you're yeah. talking about this. But yeah. the numbers help to make people understand the yeah. major impact that it's having, particularly yeah. in um, South Seattle District, too. So yeah. I really appreciate the data being able to showcase yeah. that. But sometimes it's often that we need to, like, encourage people mm -hmm. by jolting them a little yep. bit with the numbers. So people go, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Whoa, you're talking about oh, half of these things are happening right here in this yeah. area. That is big. Yeah, yeah. That is huge. And it definitely tells a story. Yeah. What else you guys got going on? We're working on a lot of different things, including something, a rate increase for Seattle City Light. This is something that's going to affect everybody. It's still in the committee process right now. But the bottom line on this is this is something where your average rate payer out there in a home will probably pay about $4 more per month. Now, rate increases, those happen all the time and they affect people differently. But what I found interesting about this discussion this time around, Trey, is that in the report that City Light put through to the city council, they were talking a lot about how there were a number of people who were behind on their payments, about 40,000 people out there, people and businesses out there, and they actually owe excuse me, 40,000 people are actually behind uh, on payments or whatever else, and they owe upwards of $40 million. So this is one of those situations where City Light has to do things carefully because they want to make sure they're getting their dollars coming in or whatever else, but they also want to make sure that they're taking care of the people such that they're not pushing them out of their homes. So we're at this point right now where we're trying to come out of the pandemic, right? And City Light's trying to do that too. But in doing so, they want to make sure that we're all coming out of it together. So they're really encouraging people to get through to those different utility uh uh, help programs, basically yeah. assistance programs where they can get some dollars for that and actually pay their back bills or whatever else. Because as it turns out, City Light is going to start its enforcement a little bit more strongly at this point. And people who might be behind on their uh, on their bills might end up getting cut off. So that's something that nobody wants. So this is one of those situations where City Light is trying to move this forward, making sure they're raising rates at a rate that hopefully everybody can manage there, but also making sure that they have these other programs too, because as we come out of the pandemic, we want to try to come out better, right? And that's the challenge right now, because we are dealing with a lot of inflation. This is something that a lot of economists will tell you, hey, look, you know, this is just that one extra straw on the camel's back, right? That extra four bucks a month could really impact some people very differently. So I think it's something that City Light is taking a close look at. Sarah Nelson is the leader of that committee. She would certainly like to get some feedback from people, but she also wants to make sure that people are accessing these different help and assistance funds, which are out there and not that many people access them that are able to access them. But this is going to be a really interesting story as it plays out over the next couple of months. Wow. I yeah. mean, you know, the pandemic, man, and mm. its effects have just been like tremendous. <laughs> and they're lasting too, Yeah, you know? they're, they're just very, I mean, here we are, people are still catching COVID, right? Yeah, yeah. The fact that we're just kind of back to business as yeah. usual or Trying. whatever people think, you know, is kind of a misnomer because we still have all of these back issues to deal with. Mm -hmm. And when I think about the, the millions of dollars in ARPA funding yeah. that came through the federal government, it really was for these kinds of things. Yeah. It, it's, it's one of those things that I think, I don't know. Okay. So I see it in two different ways, Brian, okay. right? Where, 
okay, there's a fund that is is meant to m- mitigate these harms, yes. right? However, it's still on the individual yeah. to go after the funds mm-hmm. versus it being like, hey, what we've done is we've looked at the data, we've added all of these credits because we've given it to the agencies yes. to add the credits to all the accounts that are delinquent. Yeah. So therefore, for you that is still stuck in survivor mode, you may yeah. have two, three jobs, you got two, yeah. three kids, maybe you're a single parent, right. maybe whatever the demographics are, whatever yeah. your family situation is or dynamic, what we've done is we've eliminated that. That's what the funds could have done. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. it goes through these funnels, Brian, where yeah. it's like, all right, sometimes it's first come, first serve, yeah. and then the fund is depleted. Sometimes people don't know where to find the information. Yeah. I mean, I remember Omari and I being inundated with information at the beginning of the morning update show, right. which is why we started it, because there were so many different things mm-hmm. coming out, but it was still on the person to yeah. be like, all right, let me sift through all of this uh-huh. stuff. You know, okay, I need food here. I need this here. That is uh, where I go. Could there be a better way? I don't know if there could, but that's just one suggestion. No, I, I, I hear what you're saying. That outreach piece of it needs to be improved. I think there's no question about that because accessing these funds, even before the pandemic, was a big, big problem. And so the funds are there, right? And so the connection needs to happen. And there are different people with different cultural competencies. We hear that word a lot that are reaching out to people who might have trouble speaking English, who might have trouble accessing these funds. But it does take that extra push to make that link. And that's something that um, I know the city has been working on for many, many years. Other different uh, cultural groups around the city have been working on that, too. It's just making that connection can be really difficult sometimes. And it's it's a frustrating part of the pandemic for sure. It really is. Yeah. Uh, Brian, uh, we got a few minutes left. Yeah. What's what's next? Uh, working on a few different things, actually. I'm interested to see what happens coming up on July 5th, because at that point, the city council is actually going to hold a vote to see if they will sustain or push back against the first veto that Mayor Harrell laid on them back on May 10th. Now, this was a veto that was in connection to a bill that the council passed through with a very close five to four vote. And this bill was all about requiring landlords to provide more data about their rent, how the establishment, how they establish those rents, what level they're putting them at, et cetera. And it was interesting because this was a bill that was sponsored by two unlikely people that would work together, unlikely bedfellows, as they sometimes call it. So we're talking about Councilmember Peterson and Councilmember Morales. They don't, don't, they don't agree on too much stuff, but they were really pushing for this to try to bring in that data. However, it's how that data would be used and actually how much it would cost for this program to go into place that turned into big concerns for the mayor and the city council. And so the council in pushing for this, uh, at least with this 5-4 vote, is trying to bring this data in. But the concern is, okay, how will the data be used? Because Councilmember Peterson has been a critic of the mandatory housing affordability program for many years. But then on the other side of it, you've got council members like Councilmember Sawant who are supporting it too. And she's been a big fan of rent control and some other uh, more progressive ways of trying to deal with uh, rent issues. So I think there was a little bit of confusion within the council as to how this data would be used exactly, but we're really gonna see where everyone lies on July 5th. Now, five to four, that vote did pass the council, but they would need a sixth vote in support of it to actually overturn the mayor's veto. So it's something that's a little bit in the weeds there, but it's something I'm keeping an eye on because I think it's important to see how this information could come in, how it would be used, and actually politically, at least, what the council is going to do. Will it push back against the mayor, his first veto, or will they just accept that what what happened there and what he did? Wow, Brian, always lots to cover. Make sure folks know right here how they can catch up with you tonight 
night on Seattle News Views and Brews. You got it. Well, it's happening at 7 o'clock tonight right here on Converge. Make sure you check it out. You can uh, talk to me if you'd like to on Seattle at uh, on Twitter, I should say, at Callanan Seattle is a great way to get a hold of me. You can get a hold of me through the Converge website, too. So thanks, Trey, as always, for having me. Well, great to have you back, Brian. Glad yeah. you got that much needed break. You and uh, Looking forward to tonight's episode. Cool. Thank you, Trey. Absolutely. Oh, you guys heard it right there from Brian Callanan himself. Lots going on tonight on Seattle News Views and Brews. And of course, we are uh, closing in on our half hour today. I just want to thank my guests for joining me. Of course, Elijah L. Lewis with Ethereal Visions got some major visions for South End of Seattle. You guys can check out his markets every Sunday at Othello Park. And also make sure you guys tune in tonight. Seattle News Views and Brews right here on Converge Media at 7 p.m. Sounds like Brian is going to be diving into some amazing topics we all need to be engaged with. And once again, for me, you guys know the message is alive and well. I want you to see yourself as a part of the solution and not just because I want it, but because it's going to be better for everybody. When we all dip our toes in the water, trust me, the water gets warmer. <laughs> so I want you guys to see yourself as a part of the solution. It's an amazing way for us to start changing the things that are necessary in terms of the ways that we engage with our cities, the ways that we engage with community and build each other up. So be encouraged, be inspired. See yourself as a part of the solution. Tomorrow, I'll be talking with Mara Palmer. They have an amazing event happening for Black Graduation coming up on the 25th. I'll also be diving into another the segment of Haru Hills with Haru Chayez Amen. He's going to be bringing us some tips and tricks, of course, about health and wellness. You guys, thank you again for watching today's episode. And until tomorrow at 11 a.m., peace. <laughs> Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.